Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. The, the army to march around the walls of Jericho and shout like, hey, I'm going to give you victory over this city. And, and this is how they're, they're probably thinking in their head. All right, we're going to build some ramps, right? We're going to go over the walls. We're going to come over there and just start shooting them with bows and arrows. And the Lord says, no, actually, what I want you to do is march around the wall seven times. Took them several days and shout the last time. And, and, and they were like, what the heck? I can imagine them thinking, how does that make sense? But God, when God does things, he does it supernaturally. And so it's so much better. The Bible says that it's better to trust in the Lord than to rely on the arm of flesh or to rely on man is what that means. And so this is what we do. There's so many promises in the word of God in regards to when we give. And you guys want me to break it down and how everything works. We can do that. But just simply understand, Jesus said, when you give, it will be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over and poured back into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. That's Luke 6, 38. And so there's a promise in the word of God as we give. The Lord says, I'm going to overflow it and return it back to you. Now, why, why, would, why is that important in our lives? It's not so that we can just, you know, walk around and high and mighty and, and be rich and famous. That's, that's not what it's about. Paul said that, that we, when we overflow, that God will cause a, a ministry of generosity to rise up within us. You know, the Christian, we're called to be solutions as Christians. So I want you to understand this. God wants every single one of us blessed. You know what it means to prosper? Can y'all say the word prosper? It's really not a scary word. And people are afraid of that. And they hate that word. But really what it means to prosper, which I'll say this, it's in the Bible. Amen. I don't know if you know this, but at this church, we don't like to just pick and choose things. Well, this is good. This makes people uncomfortable. So let's not talk about it. It's actually in the Bible. The word prosper. Look at Psalms 1. You know, it's good to prosper, which literally means to have more than enough. So that's the place that God wants to take each person. I'm not going to sit up here and say, well, every single person that's a Christian is going to be a multi, multi, multi millionaire. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think God has different places for different people. Thank God for Brother Copeland. He's a multimillionaire and he used a jet to go to the Middle East and rescue tons of civilians and tons of uh, Christians from getting killed by the Taliban. Thank God that he had a jet at that moment. Amen. Because our president left all of ours over there. So anyways. But to prosper means to have more than enough. For what reason? So that we can always be generous. Amen. Amen. What, imagine getting to a place as Christians where we can actually live not paycheck to paycheck, right? Where we're just living, barely scraping by, hoping somebody gives us a handout all the time. Where we can actually flip that and, and, and use resources to, to give into other people's lives. To give to the work of the Lord. Though the Lord's going to take us to a place where not only do we have enough, we have more than enough. He said more than enough. That's what, that's what God told David in Psalms 1. I'll bring you to a place of green pastures and still waters where your cup overflows with blessings. Amen. 
Amen. So giving is just a practical thing that the Lord instructed us to do in his word. Uh, and so we're going to do that. If you want to give, there's the ways you can give on the screen. If you're also present, you can do this as well. And so let's just put our faith behind it and let's thank the Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you. Lord, we, we don't know how everything works. We don't know how money leaves our hand and somehow comes back to it. I have no idea how that works, but I know in your word, you said very clearly that that's what would happen. So, Father, we really just do this in faith, that we know that as we give to your kingdom and we take a portion of what you've given to us, Lord, we just declare by faith, we'll never run dry. Hallelujah. We'll never run out. The oil will never run out. The flower will never run out for all of our days. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody that believed that, I want you to say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Ushers, go ahead and take it up. Praise the Lord. I'll give you guys a key, too. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, when you give, it says, don't give in response to pressure. Don't give reluctantly or from necessity. Basically, somebody making you feel like pounding you over the head. You have to do this. He said, don't even do that. Because honestly, if you do, yeah, you did something, but you're going to miss the whole blessing. Behind it, God loves a cheerful giver. Can you say cheerful? Cheerful. Y'all, so that means when we do this, we should be cheerful. It shouldn't seem like a funeral in here when we're doing this. Amen. Like it's 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 a blessing to give to the Lord. Hallelujah. Just a couple of things real quick. Again, we have small groups happening Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Friday nights. If you're not plugged into a small group and Tuesdays, Thursdays or Fridays, one of those days work best for you. Make sure you get with one of us. We'll plug you in. We have one running in Lufkin, Huntington, 2109, scattered all over the place just to kind of fit wherever you're at and be the most convenient for you. Uh, Wednesday night service. Just want to encourage you to come if you have kids. Children's Church Youth, as Tanner already announced, if you're an adult, we have an adult Bible study. We're going through the Word, verse by verse. Uh, And then the gathering, that's September 26th. Guys, I'm telling you, mark it on your calendars. Please do not miss that. If there's anything that you're going to decide I'm not going to miss, don't miss that because it's going to be powerful. We're going to have some guests with us that are going to be leading worship. And the Lord's going to move in a powerful way. We're just really believing. It's not going to be just me up here preaching and teaching. It's going to be a prophetic meeting. Is really the focus of it. Uh, that's lost in the body of Christ. And we need to cultivate it. The world needs it. Amen. Amen. The church needs it. I need it. I don't know. Maybe you don't. And maybe you're way more spiritual than I am. But I, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I need, I need that finger, right, that tells me this is where you're supposed to go. And that's exactly what the prophetic does. I need it in my life. So I'll be there. Hallelujah. Guys, let's go ahead and get into the word of God. Let's just pray one more time. I want you to open your hearts to receive what the Lord wants to share with you today. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you as I share this word, it will not return void. It will not come back to us without accomplishing its purpose. Lord, I thank you that as this word is is going out, that faith is entering into the room. The people are going to get wisdom, knowledge, revelation. And Lord, you're going to give them keys to life, keys to their journey, keys to their situation right now. Just simply by your word, the spirit's going to speak to them today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you all glory. And everybody said, hallelujah. So we started this series last week. I'm just going to briefly go over a couple of foundation scriptures. It's called sustainable life. So I've been giving you 
six keys that you need to live a sustainable life. That's subject to change. So if you don't want to write the six, you know, we're just going to flow with it. You can definitely write keys to living a sustainable life. Let me kind of help this make sense to you. Matthew 24.10. If you read Matthew chapter 24, it's the chapter uh, in the Bible, one of the many chapters, but it's really kind of like the, the, the doctrine on eschatology in times. Jesus spent, uh, he gave this whole discourse about what it would look like when he's coming back. Right? He said, nobody knows the day or the hour, but you'll know by the season, you'll know by the signs. Just like a fig tree begins to bud, when you see these things taking place, and he goes to kind of give all this description of what the world will look like right before his return. And I'm telling you guys, we are living in the last minutes. We're not in the last days. That's come and gone. We're in the last moments of time. I truly believe that. I truly believe at any moment that trumpet could blow and, and the church will go and will meet him in the air. Uh, the Antichrist will do whatever he's going to do. We see all that being set up right now and run his little show. And then Jesus is going to come back and, and destroy the Antichrist and all of his followers and all the people that that linked in with him. And I'm not going to teach a message on eschatology today, but. This is important. Jesus said, you'll know by these signs that you see. So I want you to see this. Look at Matthew 24, verse 10. Here's something that is warned about all throughout the New Testament. Say many. many. I'm just going to isolate this one verse here because I want you to see this. Many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. So Jesus didn't say many people will want nothing to do with God. We'll see that in a moment. But he actually said, no, these aren't people that are atheists. These aren't people of other religions. These aren't agnostics. These are people that were once a part of the body of Christ. And they are, you're going to see this huge wave of people actually turning away from Jesus. They once belonged to them, but they chose, not because God was mad and rejected them, they chose to pursue after the flesh, to pursue after the world, to pursue after everything that, that's going on and what the world has to offer and turn away from Christ and betray and hate each other. So as I tell you, people are actually going to leave the church and not only are they going to start leaving the church, they're actually going to begin to betray and hate the church that they were once a part of. I'm not just talking about this local church. I'm talking about the body of Christ as a whole. Y'all with me still? First Timothy 4.1. Jesus said it. Look what, look what Paul says. Now the Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Can you say deceptive? Let me give you a kind of a hint of how the enemy deceives. The Bible says that he comes as an angel of light. You know, Hollywood's done a really good job about that. I tell our kids this all the time. When they think about the devil, they think about the little conjuring movies that they watch and the girl, the exorcist with their head spinning around. And I'm not talking, you know, the people don't manifest demons, but that's our idea. That's what Satan wants us to think, right? He wants us to think that the, the devil and a demon is the boogeyman that's hiding in a dark closet and a dark shadow that makes you afraid to walk down your hall at night. That's not how Satan comes. He comes as an angel of light. What does that mean? He actually comes not in something that looks blatantly evil and bad, but in something that, that looks at the surface level. It looks good. It looks pleasing. It looks kind of, oh man, I could embrace that. 
Are y'all with me? So what does the Bible tell you? You know, he comes like an angel of light. He's not actually light. He's imitating the light, the Bible says. So this is what's interesting is deceptive teaching. This isn't just blatant teaching that says Jesus Christ isn't the Lord. Right? This is actually teaching, though, that's going to probably come even in the name of Jesus. And it kind of looks like a little bit of the truth, but it has, it, 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 there's lies. And it deceives people. And it misguides people. And it derails people. He said that you would see this happen in the last days. They'll turn away from the true faith. Can you say true faith? True faith. What does that mean? That if there's a true faith, then there must be a counterfeit faith. Paul talked about counterfeit faith. You know what counterfeit means? Have you ever seen a counterfeit dollar bill? Anybody ever played Monopoly? Yeah. I mean, that's counterfeit money. It's fake money. You know, the thing about counterfeit dollar bill is that the, it looks like a dollar bill, right? It looks like a hundred dollar bill. It has the print on it. It looks like it. It's the right size and color. But, you know, they'll hold it up in the light and, and see and be able to test it or mark it with a pen and be able to tell if it's real or if it's counterfeit. And so the thing about it is, again, it's this, this faith that on the surface it looks real, it looks true, but it was never even true to begin with. And that's where a lot of Christians are actually at right now in their walk. They believe something that wasn't even true to begin with. You guys, I'm telling you, I don't know if you just saw this. I'm not up here trying to ramble. But you know, the Assemblies of God just released a statement. It's the headquarters of the Assemblies of God over Australia. If you don't know anything what's going down in Australia right now, they're totally locked out. Like total communists putting people in, in uh, concentration camps that are basically for the people that are, that are infected making them go in these little apartments and stay and, I mean, not letting them leave. It's, it looks like 1930s Germany. It's crazy the direction that it's going in. And you see the church releases this statement and it's just saying things like, well, we don't want to get into these, these issues that are controversial, you know, such as vaccines, such as abortion. They literally said that. Abortion was kind of an iffy subject that... Are you kidding me? That's a clear line that the church should be standing on. Hey, that's not something that, well, you could either think it's right or you could think it's wrong. There's no way that you can believe the Word of God and believe that that's true. So you really see, I'm telling you, you see right now this deceptive teaching that are leading people astray. That this world, people have a carnal flesh, a carnal appetite. They don't really want God. They want to follow their flesh. And what does the church do to try to seem more relevant? We're going to compromise the truth and kind of just feed people what they want, right? So that we'll be accepted. It's like the church is the weird kid in school that just wants the popular kid to like them. You know what I'm talking about? Like willing to do anything just to be liked, just to be heard, or just to be... Like that's what the church is doing. It's ridiculous. But Paul actually, or Paul said that to Timothy. Some will turn away from the true faith and they'll follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Look at 2 Timothy 4.3. The time is coming when, when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. There is a plague 
And I'm not talking about COVID, which they probably kick us off YouTube for even saying the name COVID. COVID, COVID, COVID. But, you know, there's really a plague in the body of Christ. You know, there's a problem for a person to come into a house of God and hear the word of God. And and it's confronting. Right. It's not hateful. But it's confronting to our flesh. It's confronting to the thing that separates us from God. And to be able to walk out the doors and go three minutes down the road and walk into a, a house right, that uses the name of Jesus, but openly accepts, hey, you know what, what however you want to live, however you want to think, however you want to be, you just come over here. And our job isn't to deliver the word. Our job is to make you comfortable and to pack this place out and be all things to all people. That's what he says. In the last days, people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Can I tell you why? If you're already set on, I like my flesh. I like what I'm doing. I like how I'm living. Why would you want to come to a place that confronts that and says, look, no, we're going to stand on the word of God when you could go five minutes somewhere else that will tell you it's okay. Are you all with me? They'll chase after teachers that will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And I'm going to tell you, that's what people do. There's people, and I want to tell you, we love homosexual people. We love them. God loves them. Jesus died for them, but that is not condoned in the Bible. And you cannot follow Christ and be a Christian and still live in that lifestyle. It's very clear according to the Word of God. It's true. It's not hateful. It's the truth. Uh, But, so, people have this deep conviction. Well, I know there's a God. Because the Bible says this, if you've been coming to Wednesday night Bible study, we've read in Romans 1, every single human being has an intuitive knowledge of God. They know that there's a God. It's hardwired on the inside of them. So they have this like knowing, I know there's a God, but they want to hold on to this sin, this wickedness. It comes straight from hell. So in order to kind of carry both things, what do we do? Well, I know that I have this conviction that I need to appease, but I have this flesh that I still want to appease. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to run around and look for the first person that will tell me something that, that will tell me what I want to hear and agree with what I'm doing. Right. Guys, that's a problem. You know, that didn't happen in the, really in the New Testament church. If it did, it wasn't. There wasn't a thousand churches in a community. There was a governing body of Christ that was given to a community to carry out the will of God for that community. You know, I'm going to tell you, and I know it may sound like I'm ranting or rambling, but when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there's discipline in the church. Did you know that? If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there was a man who was sleeping with his stepmom. You know, what did Paul say? Oh, it's okay, brother. You know, that's no... That, I want to tell you what they did to this person was they probably went to this person, as Jesus said, and confronted it and said, that's wrong. You can't be doing that. If the guy would have repented, they would have been like, praise God. He, you know what? That was wrong. That was sinful. But they, they acknowledged it. Now we're getting back on the right track. The guy didn't repent. They said, no. You know what? We're going to do this. We're going to live in this type of relationship. And so then, you know, bring it before other people as the process that Jesus gave us. But then ultimately, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said, throw this person out. 
Throw this person out. And he says, why? So that they may be saved. How does that work? How do you actually put somebody outside of a church so that they'll be saved? Because if you do that today, everybody just runs around on Facebook. Oh, you just, you know, you're hateful. You hate people. What, how does that work? Let me tell you the honest truth. Because there wasn't churches 15 miles just everywhere that you could just leave and then go somewhere else and they, because they just want everybody. Oh, man, we would never do that. Oh, that's okay. Here, come on over. That didn't happen. You know what happened? When people were outside of the body of Christ, it was like a, there was a huge contrast between being in the community of God and in the blessing of God and outside of the blessing of God. Where they could literally see in their lives, oh my goodness, I could look at my life a month ago and see how life was over here and compare it to how it is right now. And there's a huge difference between where I was and where I'm at right now. And the Bible says what will actually happen is that that, that blessing that was on their life from being a part of the body of Christ will drive them back Amen. to repent and say, I got to get this straight. I got to get this right. But when the church is disunified, pastors aren't unified, leaders aren't unified, you have leaders trying to stand, leaders shutting down, leaders saying, guys, we need to put an end to this stupidity and this wickedness, and then other leaders wearing masks on stage. I want to tell you, we're disunified. We're disunified. Majorly disunified. And these are all signs. So you have a lot of opportunities if you're alive today to be misled. There is a lot of opportunity and temptation in your life to be misled. And it's not blatant misleading. It's deception. It's counterfeit. It, it may look true, but it's not. So, how can you live a sustainable life? How can you really be a Christian that not only does what a lot of people do. They get saved, they get on fire, and five months go, go by, and then they're not even serving God anymore. I did that when I was a teenager. Got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, 16. Powerful encounter. But by the time I was 17 and 18, I wasn't even serving God anymore. Why? Because I had a real encounter with God, but I had none of these things implemented in my life that helped me sustain the encounter that I had with God. So, there's steps you have to take. There's things we have to do. And we talked about this last week. And you can write this down. The number one, I'm going to tell you guys, this is the answer to 90% of the problem that Christians have. If, if you come, I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you. 90% of the issues that people have can be solved by this. Every Christian needs to have the Bible a part of their daily life. It's, it's a lot harder to be deceived when you actually know the Bible. Not when you know what someone else told you. Not what you knew. Not, right? not what, what you know because grandma told you or your mom told you or your pastor told you when you were a child. It's a lot harder for you to be deceived when you know what you believe and why you believe it. Not just some hypothetical, well, doesn't the Bible say you teach a man to fish and he eats for, or give a man a fish, he eats for the day, right? Teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. That's not even in the Bible. That's not even the, like, is it a true statement? I'm sure there's truth in it. 
That's like Confucius. That's not even in the Bible. But I'm telling you, that's a lot of people's biblical knowledge. They don't even know what they believe. Well, man, yeah, we, we speak in tongues. Man, that's powerful. That's amazing. But can you point here and tell me why you do that? Like if somebody walked up and handed you this and said, here, point to chapter and verse and tell me why you pray in the Holy Ghost. I could get up here all day and tell you a testimony. When I was 16, man, I got flattened out on my back, got up praying in other tongues. The fire of God came upon my life. And, and, and people could say, well, I don't know about that. And if came up and said, you know, what would that look like if somebody came up and said, okay, that's a great experience. That's a cool story. But can you prove it? Like, where's that in the Bible? If I had no idea how to do that, well, I don't know. It just happened. You got to know what you believe and why you believe it. Know what you believe. And this is really true. I want to say this. Kids can't get to heaven based off of their parents' faith. I can't tell you guys. The reason I'm saying this is because in Huntington, Texas, you go out in the streets and you try to witness. Do you know Jesus? Oh, let me tell you. My granddaddy was a preacher. Awesome. Do you know Jesus? My uncle, you know, he ran a Baptist church. That is so amazing, and I'm excited to meet him in heaven. But that doesn't mean anything to me about the fact that do you know Jesus? Have you received Jesus Christ? Do you know what you believe? And so, so many people, they have problems in their life. And a lot of it simply comes from wrong believing. We're going to get to this point. If It, it probably ain't going to happen today because I already started talking about some other stuff, but that's okay. There's no time frame. We, you know, we have till now, till Jesus comes back in the next months or years, however long that is, to get through this. Amen. I need to get it out of my spirit and get it to the church. But, Amen. Um, Every Christian needs to have the Bible a part of their daily life. Amen. Know what you believe and why you believe what you believe. Right. You know, the Bible actually talks about that, that we should be ready to give an account. Yes. You know, one of the actual roles, I'm telling you guys this, this is funny. Because, you know, church boards, there's elders and there's deacons and everybody wants to be that and do that. You know, one of the qualifications in the Bible is that you have to be able to defend the faith. Not just like, oh, let me, you know, argue with you. No, literally, if a person who is hell bent on disproving Christianity comes to you and you know what? I don't believe that Jesus was really the son of God. You know what? I don't really believe healings for today. Why, why do you think you can pray for the sick and believe God to heal them? You know, I don't really know. You have to, to be an elder, according to the Bible, you have to not only be able to give a verbal response, you need to be able to point to chapter and verse and say, this is why. Yeah. Right. Why do we believe that we can pray for the sick? Well, because the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5, point it to him. By his stripes, we were healed. Then you flip over Matthew 8, 17. He took our sicknesses. He removed our diseases. Then you flip over. Is it James chapter 3? James chapter 2. 
Bring all your sick to the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil. Their prayer offering of faith will... You, you, you can point them. A lot of Christians can't do this. And can I tell you guys, here's the ultimate reality about it. Probably 60 or 70 years ago, Christians could do this. Not just pastors and ministers. Christians had the ability. The everyday plumber, teacher, worker had the ability to open this Word of God, teach their children, teach their grandchildren, hold a Bible study in their house, teach a Sunday school in the church they were part of. They, they had a responsibility that they knew we have to know the Word of God. Amen. And me and Brother Tanner were talking about this. Everything is catered to like these little 30-second clips. Can I tell you, if, if all you know about the faith is a 30-second clip, you listen to Stephen Furtick on Instagram, you're going to be deceived big time. If that's your whole truth is built off of a 30-second clip that you heard somebody else say, you're going to be totally deceived. Right. You, know, you could come into this church, and if you don't know the Word, I could deceive you. I could mislead you. A pastor could, you could just come in here and I say whatever and you say, hey man, that's true. And then you go out and you have no idea, you know, you're deceived. You have to know the word for yourself. Amen. Every Christian needs to have the Bible a part of their daily life. We covered these points last week. Uh, you know Jesus by the word. So a lot of Christians, they have a hard time knowing God. Having a relationship with God. Well, the Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. You look at John 1, 14. The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. The Word took on a human form with a face and a name, and His name was Jesus. So if you want to know Jesus, let's just very simply connect the dots. We, if we want to know who Jesus is, we have to know this Word. But you know what Christians do nowadays in the name of being spiritual? Instead of going to the Word, we'll turn on a song and meditate in a prayer closet for two hours. And oh, you know, like we're going to get some revelation of who Jesus is. I love worship. I love singing. I love all of that. Jesus didn't become a worship song. He became the Word of God. He was the Word of the Word became flesh. That's good. So, we said when you know God's Word, you know God's will. The grass withers and the flowers fade, Isaiah 48, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, Numbers 23.19, it says God's not a man that He should lie and He's not a man that He should change His mind. When you know God's Word, you know God's will. If you're struggling with something, I'm telling you right now in your life, and you're like, I'm not really sure. Maybe you get cancer. You guys, I'm going to tell you, this is confrontational stuff, but it's the absolute reality. Maybe you get cancer. Maybe you get sick with something. Maybe you get COVID. And then, and then all of a sudden, this little right, you go, and I'm going to pray about it. You get in the prayer closet, and you come out with some answer like, the Holy Spirit told me that this was my cross to bear. The Holy Spirit told me that God was using this to, you know what, I, this can't, I'm supposed to die of this and they're supposed to be. Can I tell you, you're completely outside of the Word of God. Because the Bible doesn't teach that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Not one person ever came to Jesus Christ that was sick and He looked at them and said, you know, it's actually God's will that you're sick. 
God's actually working out something greater in your life. through the, God's chastising. He's trying to teach you humility. This sickness is driving you. you no, Jesus, he healed the sick. Yeah. He went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. God made his will very clear. But if you don't know God's word, you'll never know God's will. So a lot of Christians are walking around in the dark, not knowing the will of God because they have no word of God in their life. That's right. You know, statistically, Christians go to church uh, once every five weeks on a national statistic. The average person that claims to, I'm not talking about a person that's just checking it out. A person that claims to be a Christian statistically goes to church once every five weeks. So people don't even show up to this type of thing, right? Where we can fellowship and eat the word together. I'm telling you right now, they're not reading their word at home. They're 98% of them. Maybe there is a small remnant because of, you know, lack of church authority and leadership in the community. They, I don't know. They don't feel. But I'm talking about the mass majority of people. They're not seeking God at home. What do we do? We watch hours of Netflix and hours of Facebook and hours of all these other things and we don't know God's Word, so we don't know Jesus and we don't know God's Word, so we don't know God's will and we're just fumbling around and now these things are confronting the church and we don't know which way to go. Half of the, half of the Christians right now, if, if they pulled up with train carts and said, everybody get in these train carts and we're going to take you guys to vaccination headquarters where you're going to go and go to these camps and get vaccines. There's Christians that would be piled up, ready to go. Let's go. It's like, are you crazy? There's Christians that would be piled up. They could say, hey guys, they come out and make an announcement over the news. We're going to make you have a passport where you can't buy, sell, or trade anything without this mark, without this thing. And Christians are sitting there actually arguing if it's a good idea or not. Right. Oh, have you read Revelation 13 where the Antichrist will come and give man a mark on their right hand or forehead and nobody will be able to buy, sell, or trade anything without the mark, which either represents his name or the number given for the beast. It's, it's like so clear in the Word of God, but Christians don't know the will of God because they don't know the Word of God. The Word of God is where you receive your nourishment. The Bible feeds your spirit. I'm not going to dive into that. Go back and, and watch that. But I want to give you this point today. And we're probably going to spend several weeks because again, this is the most, I'm telling you, the most important thing in your life is the Word of God. I'm going to tell you why. I'm talking about Christians this morning. Christians don't make the Word a part of their daily life because they don't think they need it. I've actually asked myself this question. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm not talking about people that don't claim the faith and don't claim Jesus. Why would a Christian not make the Word of God a part of their daily life? You can disagree all day long, but I'm going to tell you the ultimate reason why the Word would not be a part of your daily life is because you don't actually think that you need it. I'll tell you a story to help make, make sense a little bit. They were having a huge evangelistic gathering. These leaders gathered together. Anybody ever heard of Reinhard Bonnke? 
great evangelists of our generation, saw hundreds of millions of souls all throughout the world, Africa, South America, Asia. So he's in this room, right, in my generation, which I try really hard to not be like the people of my generation. But my generation, these young guys, they're in this room, and they're sitting there and they're having this meeting with all these, these men of faith. And they're saying, guys, how can we make the gospel more relevant? How can we, you know, we need to do these things in the church to draw these people in from the world. How can we make the gospel more relevant? Reinhard Bonnke, if you've ever heard him, he's a German man. He stands up with a strong German accent. And he says, you don't have to make bread relevant to a starving man. And then he sat down. And now their whole little church planning about how can we get all this creative and all make it relevant. It just shut the whole room up. You don't have to make bread relevant to a starving man. Why don't Christians get in the word of God? Because they don't actually think that they needed it. Because I'm telling you, if you when you come to the place where you truly believe that like, I need this. I cannot live without this. It doesn't have to be made relevant to you. You're starving. You're hungry. You'll make it a part. You'll make it a priority in your life. Right. <clears throat> you don't have to make bread relevant to a starving man. Look at John 5, 6. If you're not relevant, if, if the Bible's, I'm sorry, if you're not starving, then the Bible's not relevant. The Bible's not relevant when you're not starving. We're going to talk about tragedy in a moment, but I'll just share my heart with you. I've asked the Lord. I see the division in the body of Christ. I see that Christians were more, were more fixated on holding on to our flesh and our carnal nature than actually surrendering everything and saying, Lord, we need your way. Our way doesn't work. I've asked God. You know, I've prayed out for revival. We, we had a whole year of revival meetings at this church last year. We had an evangelist in like every few months. It was powerful. And we'll do lots of more stuff in the future. Uh, but I asked the Lord, Lord, we're sitting here. We're crying out for revival, 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 Lord. Pour out your spirit. And, and really, I feel like the Lord just took me back and said, what do you think that looks like? Do you, do you think that looks like me just snapping my fingers and now all of a sudden all these people are just hungry for God all of a sudden? The Lord just says, I just pull this sheet over and then it just happens. No, the Lord told me. Revival will happen when men come to the end of themselves. What ha what, re revival will happen in a nation. Listen to this. True revival. Acts chapter 2, Azusa Street, uh, I mean, you, you know, we saw the Brownsville. You see amazing moves of God throughout history, the Protestant Reformation. True revival will take place in a nation when a nation, not just a few people, when a nation comes to the point where they say, Lord, truly, our way doesn't work. The way that we're doing this isn't working. Man's way doesn't work. We need you. We're hungry for you. And we're actually willing to uproot anything and everything. If it means coming into alignment with how you have prescribed us to live life. When that takes place, people get hungry. People get desperate for a move of God. You'll see revival take place. 
Unfortunately, you know the thing that, that causes that to take place? doesn't have to be this way, but you know what does cause it? Tragedy. Catastrophe. I, w- I was only six years old, but I'm sure some of you elderly people could testify to what the United States probably looked like on September 12, 2001. This tragic, yeah, it was bad, but you saw a country that was so divided come together. I heard that you saw churches packed. You saw people hitting their knees. Why? Because we're so prideful and we, get, we think our way works and we're so hell-bent on doing things this way. And all of a sudden, something happened that brought man to the point where they said, Lord, our way doesn't work and we need your way. And we're willing to do whatever we can to get back on the right course. That's when revival takes place. I think I was talking about this with Brother Jay at the barbecue. But, you know, we all prayed at this church. We did pray. We prayed for just because of, you know, we're not sitting here trying to in, stand behind specific candidates, but also I'm not, not trying to do that. Any candidate that kills babies, I'm against. Any candidate that wants to put America under communism, I'm against that. The Bible's against that. I actually have a Bible mandate to be against that antichrist system. Amen. You have to. I don't, I mean, it's not even like you have a choice. Well, you know, you're on the fence. Some, not, like, I don't have a choice. Even if I could find logic in some of it, which I can't, like, I don't even have a choice. According to the Word of God, I have to stand against that antichrist system. Um, but, you know, we prayed and we were believing for this candidate, for Donald Trump, the president. And, and I had this thought one time. I was praying about that. And the Lord literally told me, he said, what would have happened if he got elected? I said, well, probably another four years of prosperity. Right? Booming economy, another four years of prosperity. What happens at the end of those four years? We're at a, another re-election. And there's still a swamp. And there's still people that are asleep. And now, yeah, we have another four years where we just scream. But he said something is taking place. Not that God caused it. I'm not trying to say this was ever God's will. But I'm telling you right now, what is a good thing that is coming from this stuff. Like, right, this thing that looked like a curse. There is a blessing that's coming from it. People are waking up. People are waking up and saying, you know what? We're actually seeing issues that have been interwoven and embedded in our society for so long that we were asleep to. And when people wake up, they wake up. But you don't have to make bread relevant to a starving man. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew 5.3 Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, I had a hard time with this verse until the Lord gave me this revelation. I used to think the poor in spirit, what does that mean? We just walk around poor all the time, walk around beat down all the time, walk around moping like Eeyore, crying. And the Lord said, no, that's the initial place you, every single person has to come to this humbling place of complete, you know, in yourself, complete surrender, complete brokenness. This complete, Lord, 
I, I give my life. I don't want, I can't do this my way. I need your word. I need your way. My way doesn't work. Blessed are the people that are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because once you come to that place, and what does it cost? What, 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 what does it take? For some people, it takes going through a drug addiction for 20 years. And what? Losing your family, losing your friends, losing your job, losing your wife, losing your children, losing everything to the point where you want to commit suicide for you to finally get to that place of being broken in your spirit where you actually surrender it and say, Lord, my way doesn't work. Man's ways don't work. This culture has been lying to me and I want what you say. Those are the people that inherit the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Guys, it's really what it means. When you hunger and thirst for the word of God, it's not, it's not a religious thing that you just have to do to get on your checklist. And I'm going to tell you where I've come to in a moment. But it's coming to this place of this revelation. I need God. We talked about that, and I tried so hard Wednesday night to get it out. I hope I did. I hope I didn't confuse you. But in order to receive God's mercy, you have to first have a revelation of your need for God. As long as you think that you don't need God, you'll, ne I mean, you'll never receive anything. So... I'll give you this point. Your faith can't be based off of a feeling. It must be rooted in the fact that there is a singular way of life. Amen. Let me explain that. I'll say it again though. Your faith can't be based off of a feeling. It must be rooted in the fact that there is a singular way of life. Can you say singular way? Singular way. You know, me and Tristan were talking about this the other day, and it's true, but you can have powerful experiences with God, but there has to be more for it to last. There has to be more than an experience. There has to be more than just a feeling. There has to be more than just getting goosebumps and someone tapping you on the head and you laying down on your back and then you get back up. There, that's great. God uses that. God touches people. I'm not talking like the power of God isn't a real true thing, but there has to be more. What's the thing that keeps a person coming back day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year? It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. Because I'm telling you, if you get the wrong stuff in your life, you could be at Disney World and be unhappy. So you, you know, you, people live off of their feelings. People get rooted into an amazing place or, you know, whatever. God takes them to a place and then they, because of feelings, it has to be more than a feeling. And it has to come back to this simple reality. And this is what it is for me. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the the way, say the way, the, way. the, truth. the truth, and the life. the life. That word the means singular. 
There's only one truth, everybody. And he's saying, and that's me. But he didn't only say there's one truth. The way. Say the way. way. There's only one way. I think that that's the reality that I came to. Is that, Lord, there's not a million different ways to live life. There is only one way. There is one path. Jesus said that. The highway to hell is broad and it's traveled by many, but the pathway to life is, is, is narrow and few find it. You know what? Because everybody's just going on their own path and they're trying to drag Jesus into it. Well, you know what? We want to do this, so we're going to do it and we're going to try to you know, get God to bless what I'm doing. It doesn't work that way. There is a singular way of life. And can I tell you how you find that path? The Word of God. And so it really, for me, it had to come down to this point where I said, Lord, I, number one, you have to believe the Word. You know what most of Christians' problems are in their life? Is they don't hold the Word at the highest form of authority in their life. I was having a conversation with a brother just a few weeks ago. I love him, but it wasn't a good situation, and we were talking. I flipped to the Word of God, and I read a passage. And I, and I read it out loud, and I said, what do we do with that? And they said, well, if we did that, all the churches would be empty. I said, so what? Rip it out and throw it away? Like You don't compromise the Word of God. If the churches have to be empty in the United States of America to do what the Bible says, the Word of God is the ultimate form of authority. And that will settle every single argument. Can you imagine that? If, if Christians submitted to the Word of God, and you have your opinion, and I have my opinion, but yet we go to the Word of God and we read what the Bible clearly says, and we both say, shoot, well, I was wrong. Okay, all right. That's what it says. That settles it, Period. How amazing would that be? But no, what do we do? Because of pride, because of stubbornness, because of man's ways? No, we're actually going to break off. We're going to go start a new church. We're going to go start a new denomination. We're going to go start a new division because we're hell-bent on holding on to something that we've created. Y'all, Are y'all with me? This isn't at all what I planned for this morning. It really isn't. But I had to come to that moment. There is a singular way of life. Jesus said, I am that way. So I said, Lord, honestly, it really doesn't matter. Y'all, I can tell you, anybody that's been in ministry, it's a blessing, it's wonderful, but can I tell you something? It's hard too. Amen. It hurts sometimes. It's hard. Yeah. Brother Tanner can tell you. I mean, there, you cry. Your, your heart breaks. I mean, it's biblical. Paul said that. Paul talked about how he would cry. For the churches that he would he would go and, and give his heart, give his life, give his everything to these people. And then sometimes, sometimes, you know, people go off and do their own thing. It's not just a, well, that's just a face in the crowd. No, you, your life, your heart, your faith, everything's intertwined and it, and it breaks and it's hard. But you have to go back to that moment. Well, do I like this all the time? And I'm not talking about ministry. Just think about your life. Do I, am I going to like it all the time? Am I going to feel it all the time? Am I going to feel good about it all the time? No, but it doesn't matter because the thing that brings me back is the reality that there is only one way to do this thing. Amen. And that doesn't matter if I like it or if I hate it. 
If I love it, if I disagree with it, none of that matters. But the truth that there is only one way. And then you realize, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. I have to serve the Lord because He is the Lord. Right? I don't have a choice. I don't get to just kind of test religions like you test wines. Which one goes best with compliments? My lifestyle and my outfit of the day. Like there is a singular way. And maybe I see things black and white. But that's what Christianity does today. You could look at that door. And this is Christianity today. And I say that door is white and you say it's black. What do we say? Well, it's okay. You know what? Neither one of us are wrong. How about it's both? It's white to you and it's black to me. That door cannot be white and black at the same time. It's either white or it's black. It can't be both. Y'all with me? So you have to have that realization. There's so much division. There's so much diversity. There's two people saying two different things. We're like, oh, you know, just do your own thing. No, there is a singular way. There's a singular truth. And that's what I've devoted my life to. I said, Lord, I don't want religion. I don't want what the world calls Christianity. I don't want what anybody else tells me I'm supposed to have. I'm going to figure out what this thing says. And this is what I'm sticking to. Christians used to understand that. That's why we used to have songs. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. They understood. You submit to the Word of God if it costs you everything. Guys, can I tell you, Christianity, when you really, in a fleshly, carnal world, it's not convenient. When you read the Bible, it costs them everything. Why do you think, why would Peter give his life? Do you think Peter felt like getting crucified upside down? Did you know that the Apostle Peter got crucified upside down? He did. But I I can tell you, do you think his flesh felt like it? Do you think Jesus felt like being crucified? No, you know that he didn't. You can see very clearly in the Garden of Gethsemane that he didn't feel like it. But he did it. But Peter, Peter gave his life. Why? Because of this truth, Jesus Christ is the Lord. Whether I live or I die, He's the Lord. Whether you kill me, whether you let me live, He's the Lord. I don't have a choice. I can't, I can't refute the name of Jesus because He is the truth. It costs you something. And this form of Christianity that we just only partake of as long as it's convenient for us, it's a lie. It's deceptive teaching. It's a counterfeit. It's not Christianity of the Bible. Are y'all with me still? You know, to follow Jesus in the New Testament church, or before the church was formed, I'm sorry, but to follow Jesus, you read the Gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, He made people give up everything. Every dime in their account. Their houses. Guys, this is a hard one, but it's true. Even men had to leave their families for a season. You, you think about that. They had, to, they had to give up. Jesus said, 
lest you deny yourself. You can't follow me. Why is that? Was he mad? Was he hateful? Was he like, guys, you know what? I just really want your life to be horrible. No, he actually knew this reality that it is impossible to have one foot in the world and to follow him at the same time. You can't do both. Why did Jesus, when he called people, at one, at one account, they said, well, let me go back and take care of some errands and my father just died. And Jesus said, no, you come now. Let the dead bury their dead. You come right now. Why? Because he knew that if they went back, they wouldn't come. Everything. Can you say everything? That's where revival takes place. That's where reformation takes place. And that's actually the, 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 the beginning of a born-again life. Is when you come to the moment where, where He has everything. Where you submit to the, to the fact, the truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through Him. He is the only way. And that means that everything in my life that's opposing to what He says, you know, you could read something in the Bible. People, well, I don't like that. Well, I mean, honestly, I understand, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what you like. It doesn't matter what I like. It matters what He likes. Because we didn't create this. We're not going to be sitting on a throne judging, you know. He is the king. Does that make sense to everybody? I hope so. Well, hallelujah. I'm going to ask my worship team, wherever they may be, to come on up to the front. I'm going to ask my two prayer leaders that I've talked to. This is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to sing a song, and I want you to really... You know, I don't really believe that salvation is just boiled down to just, okay, repeat a prayer after me. Can it happen that way? Yes, it can happen that way. But Jesus said, lest a person is born again, they can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. I think a lot of people have prayed a prayer, but they've never been born again, born of God's Spirit. You know, they pray a prayer, and, and it's, but guys, there's more, it's more than just praying a prayer. You have to mean it. You have to believe in your heart. You read Romans chapter 10. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Not just confess with your mouth. Because a lot of people hear this, and they feel guilty about something, and they're okay, I know I need to do this, so they'll confess with their mouth. But to believe in your heart means coming to this moment, this, this place of broken, I believe Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. And then it makes sense how repentance comes into that because you believe that, and then you see everything in my life that's opposing has to go because He's the truth. So... My two prayer partners, we're going to have a prayer line over here for healing, and we're going to have a prayer line over here uh, for deliverance. You guys can decide. I believe you'll do the healing. You'll do deliverance. If you want prayer for anything in your life, come on up. We're going to do a a worship song, and then you'll be dismissed. But I want you to take this moment before we just run off, and I want you to just listen to the Holy Spirit. Self-reflect. Look inside yourself. It's important to take moments in the presence of God and and literally tune our eyes and ears to to our heart, to this. Guard your heart with due diligence, 
for from it flows the issues of life. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth, everything in life flows from this sinner. It's not your organ, it's, it's your inner man, your inner being. Maybe for some of you guys, you know, you've been kind of getting your feet wet a little bit. And I'm kind of here. I'm kind of, I don't know. Maybe this is a moment today where you look inside yourself and you have this defining moment that marks your life forever. Where you look back and say, where was the day that I told the Lord, this is who I'm going to be and this is what I'm going to do. I remember the day for me. Maybe that's today for you. This, where you get with the Lord, and it's not just somebody screaming and laying their hands on you, but we would love to pray for you, but where you make that decision in your heart. This is who I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do. I will serve the Lord. I'm not going to do it the American way. I'm not going to do it the East Texas way. I'm going to do it the Bible way, because He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. If you need healing in your body, we believe that. We have people ready to not only pray for you, but to go through the Word of God with you to show you why. Why you can believe for healing. Why God will touch your body. Why you can expect that to happen. Take a moment this morning. God's going to do something mighty. Take your eyes off of man. Take your eyes off of me. I'm about to put this mic down and get up here and play guitar. Take your eyes off of me. So many people do that. When you guys realize, here's the key, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. Paul said, I've discovered the key. Guys, we gauge, we gauge power. I, I mean, it's true, it's funny, but a lot of people do this. You know, you come to church, someone pray for you. Oh yeah, I felt a little something. Then you go somewhere else to a conference or something. Oh, I guess God. Can I tell you the difference? Here, and we think, well, this person's a little bit powerful. This person's like really powerful. Why are you even looking at a person? Can I tell you, it actually has nothing to do with the person. It has everything to do with your expectancy and your faith. Maybe you show up to church and you're like, well, we'll see what's happened. That's not the way faith works. We'll show up to a conference and we're putting like the woman with the issue of blood. I know, right? I know when I touch his robe that I'm going to be healed. And then we thought, oh, this person's got Paquito power, this person's got Mucho power. It doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit's here because the Word tells us. He'd never leave us or forsake us that we are the temples of the Holy Ghost. God's healing power is here. God's delivering power is here. The power to set you free. The power to change anything in any situation that you're going through. It's here today. The answer that you're searching for is here today. Put a demand on the Lord. Let's enter into His presence, if you will. You can stand. You can sit. Hey, Tanner. Be looking and I'll tell you when to end the service. Okay.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Chains fall, fear bow. Hallelujah. Chains fall, fear bow. Fear bow in Jesus' name. Fear bow out of this church right now in Jesus' name. We curse the spirit of fear in the body of Christ right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We curse the spirit of fear over this generation right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I curse that spirit. done with the fear the spirit of fear this church is done with the spirit of fear this church is done with chains we're done with chains oh hallelujah devil spirit you flee this place in Jesus mighty name I just feel this in my spirit. Team, just keep playing. You only fear what you believe has the ability to harm you or hurt you. I don't think anybody in this room would fear a ladybug. If you saw a ladybug sitting on the wall, none of you would be standing on your chair freaking out. Because why? You look at that ladybug and you say, that ladybug has no ability to inflict harm or pain upon me. If you saw a rattlesnake come rolling out, you would be afraid. When you, whatever you fear, you are actually proclaiming that thing has the ability to assert, usurp your own will and inflict something that you do not desire upon you. Do you understand why the Bible says don't fear man? Don't fear a virus. Don't fear a government. Don't fear a name like cancer. A lot of people fear that name. Whenever you fear, you're, you're putting in the place of God. I feel this from the Lord. Whatever you fear, you put in the place of God. When you fear nothing but the Lord, you're claiming there's not a being, there's not a devil in hell, there's not a alien from outer space, it doesn't matter what it is in existence that has the ability to inflict anything upon me other than the Lord Jesus Christ, who's a good father, who doesn't give bad gifts to his children. That's why perfect love, we have this fear of God, but then perfect love casts all fear out. But it's a placement. 
It's a placement of. I want you to decide in your heart today, we're done with fear. We're done with fear in this community. Christians are afraid to be rejected, afraid to be opposed, afraid to to look funny. We're done with fear. You need to decide today, it doesn't matter what people think about you. Doesn't matter what the it doesn't matter what what the CNN comes on, false prophesying. People are going to die, and you begin to fear. I'm going to go in a hospital room. No, not going to happen. Jesus gave us authority over all the power of the devil in Luke ten nineteen. You'll tread on serpents and scorpions. Nothing by any means shall harm you. He told his disciples. We have all authority in the name of Jesus. We have authority in the name of Jesus. We have authority in the name of Jesus. It's time for Christians to start believing it. And it's time the church starts reminding the world and the devil who holds the authority on this earth. It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the authority. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. The moment that the church comes together and says this thing's over, it's over. I tell you, the moment the church, not just this church, the church of the United States of America comes together and says this crap ends now, it's over. It's completely over. It doesn't exist anymore. It's a little blimp on the map of our history. Father, unify us, unify us, unify us. Let us give up our own ways. Give up man's ways. Give up man's kingdom. Give up man's idea, man's agenda. Lord, we need your word. We hunger and thirst for your way. Your way is the only way that works, Father. We need your way. We need your way. Mark our hearts. Lord, we don't want, we don't want deceptive spirits in this church. Lord, you're building a remnant in this house. Ms. Kim said it. I just prophesied. I come into agreement with it. You're building a remnant in this house. The Lord says, I'm building a remnant in this house. Oddballs, you're not, you're not like everybody else. You're not like everybody else. You're not, you don't fear what everybody else fears. You don't do what everybody else does. And the Lord says, my hand will mark your lives in a unique and specific way. The same way in Deuteronomy 28, Brother Tanner said it. The Lord just brings it all together. Saw you posted that. The same way that in Deuteronomy 28, It says the nations will look at the people of the Lord and see that there are people claimed by God. That's happening now in this generation. That's happening in our time. We won't just be Christians because that's the religion we identify with. You will see a clear distinction between the man and woman in covenant with God and the man or woman that puts their faith and trust in the arm of flesh in this world. 
you will see a clear distinction. Father, thank you for that remnant being built in this house. Thank you, Father, for radical faith, Bible faith, Bible Christians. We surrender it all. We surrender it all. Tanner, you come up. I want you to release the service. And I want to say this. If you receive, you know in your spirit, the Lord, you know, it's fulfilled. The thing you're believing, the thing that the Lord was doing, okay, you've got it. You're free to, to, to head out. But if God's still working on your heart, if God's still moving in your spirit, if there's something happening, don't leave. Don't leave. God's marking. God's imparting things into your life. You're right there. You're right there. Brother Tanner, go ahead. And if you have to leave, you can. I just, we ask you to step out quietly. We're going to continue in His presence for a moment.
Brother Tanner just made a statement. He said, Jesus isn't only, what did you say? He's not only a good way. He's not only the best way. You said he's not the good way. He's not the, the best way. He's the only way. Let me say this. He is the good. The, he is the best way. He is the most excellent way. But for like, before all of that, he is the only way. And I actually just felt the Lord tell me that in my spirit. The second that you say that you said that, I felt in my spirit. The Lord said that. He said, "We have to stop communicating, just trying to convince, because He already is the best way. He is the most excellent way." But, but we're communicating to the world. Let me just show you something that, how you can improve your life a little bit. Let me give you just nine little things that you can do, like Oprah Winfrey and self-help to, to see improvement. No, I just felt in my spirit. The Lord said, you need to communicate the message. He is the good way. He is the best way. But you need to communicate to the world. He is the only way. At the forefront, he is the only way. Now, hey, Christianity is better than Islam because this is what we offer and that's what... No, because Jesus Christ is the one true God. And every other God is a lie and it's a devil and it's a demon. It's a deceiving spirit. There is one name that's above every other name. His name is Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Jesus. 
But it's not just what we do It's why we have breath in our lungs Oh, everything we do We do to worship you, Jesus This life's not about us Oh, we're here for you, Lord We're here on this earth For your purposes, Lord You know, I know, I believe it's in times like this that the Holy Spirit speaks so clearly to you. I just feel the Lord say that. Log, log what He says. The Lord says, log what I say. In these moments when my Spirit speaks, bears witness within you, write it down. Write it down. For he's giving you the keys to life. If that's for you in the room, write it down. The Lord said, I'm giving you keys to your life. I'm giving you keys. I'm giving you next steps. I'm giving you direction. I'm confirming things. I'm reaffirming things. I'm leading and guiding and directing. Listen to my voice, the Lord says. Listen to my voice. There's nothing worth more that will ever 
pray as a church, those that are left here. You know, yesterday there was a meeting in Washington, D.C., the Let Us Worship movement. And I know former President Donald Trump left a message to the nation. Many churches have played it. We don't, I just felt it in my spirit. We don't have it on the screen, but it was just a call to prayer. It was a call, and he said, to the church, he said, your faith, it cannot be stopped. 
Yeah, there's a lot of demonic stuff. There's a lot of demonic pushes that are happening. He said, your faith, the, ch- the faith of the church is the most powerful force on the earth. He said, I want you to believe. I want you to use your faith. And it was a call to prayer. Let's just intercede together. Father, we, we come in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for our privileges. Thank you, Lord. Let's just declare what he said. Lord, thank you for bringing us into your presence. Thank you that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You said we can ask anything in your name to the Father directly. Ask using my name and you will receive. You will have abundant joy. We stand on the word of God and the authority given according to the word to the church that we have all authority over all the power of the devil. That Christ, according to Ephesians 1, is seated in heavenly realms and places far above any ruler, principality, power in the world and in the unseen world. And we are his body. He's been given all authority for the benefit of the church, the Bible says. So we have that authority. We stand in that authority right now in Jesus' name. And we curse, we curse this demonic agenda. The devil, you have, you can put your hand on anything that belongs to you, but you will not put your hand on the church. I release that word now. You will not put your hand on the church. This plague of destruction, this plague of poverty, this plague of disease, I speak to it. You will not put your hand on the church in Jesus name. What we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We'll be a preserved people. We will be a preserved people. Just like the Lord preserved Noah and his family in the ark. Didn't matter that the rest of the world was flooding. The righteous were preserved. We will be preserved. Until the day where we're caught up and we meet Jesus in the air. We will not suffer. We will not be on the tail end of this demonic strategy. We will flourish. We will thrive. But as the church, I say this. Father, as the church, we give you permission. Not that you need our permission, but we loose it on the earth. Do what must be done. To bring us to a place of genuine hunger, genuine thirst, genuine departure from self. That's a scary prayer. But I even feel this from the Lord that we don't even have to ask because sin opens the door for the devil and the devil brings destruction. As a generation, as a culture, as a nation sins and opens the door to sin, they open the door to the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. So when we open the door by our sin to the devil, Destruction comes as a byproduct. What does the destruction bring? It brings us to a humbling place where we repent and see our need for God.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. Thank you for accomplishing this in us, Lord. We love you so much. You have amazing plans for us, and we're just excited to be a part of it. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the church. Thank you for building your church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.